Good morning. I'm Pastor Ron Hawkins, a transition pastor here at CPC. Glad to be in your midst this, during this season to uh, bring you God's Word together. Let's uh, pray together. Thank you, Lord, that your Word is reliable and true, and that we can go to it anytime we want to gain your truth, your life, and a greater understanding of your love. Guide us now as we open up and drink from it. In Jesus' name, amen. Irresistible Faith, that's the series we're in. The first three sermons of the series focused on the different aspects related to the idea of abiding in the irresistible Christ. Next week and for the next three weeks, we'll be looking at the topic of becoming an irresistible Christian. And this morning, we want to finish up a three-part series belonging to an irresistible community. What does that look like? How do we live that out? And how do we move into that? We're going to do a little game here in a minute. So I want you to take a look at this chart. You've got to pay attention right now in order for you to participate. There will be trophies. Okay, maybe not. But anyway, um, legends, fables, and fairy tales. There's a little chart that kind of lays it out for you. Let me give you some definitions. According to Merriam-Webster, a legend is defined as a story coming down from the past especially ones that is popularly regarded as historical, although it's not verifiable. That's a legend. A fable is defined as a fictitious narrative or statement, such as a legendary story or supernatural happenings, or a narration intended to enforce a useful truth, especially in one where animals act like human beings. The definition of a fairy tale is a story involving fantastic forces and beings a story which, is imp- which improbable events lead to one of those happily ever after endings. So you can read that. You've been reading while I've been talking. So now we're going to move on to the game. Here's how it's going to happen. I'm going to throw up a slide up there, and you're going to tell me what the name of that story is and whether it is a legend, fable, or fairy tale. We're going to see how well you do. Here we go. Fairy tale, what's the name of it? Eating the Beast. Good. Next one. What's the name of it? Tortoise in the Hare. What kind of story? Fable. Good. How about this one? Robin Hood. Yeah. You had to see that movie to know what Kevin Costner was up to. What is that? What kind of story? Legend. Next one. The Boy Who Cried Wolf. Yeah, that one you had to work on. What kind of story? Fable. Correct. What about this one? I'm hearing a little louder. Atlantis, did I hear that? Yeah, Atlantis, legend of Atlantis. It's a legend, I just told you. How about this one? Three little pigs, and it is a, it's actually a fable. Isn't that interesting? Did you know they have names? I'm gonna give you the names. Pfeiffer pig, fiddler pig, and practical pig. Now you have something to take home with you. Some great knowledge. Next one. Good kind of story. Fairy tale. How about this one? I know some of you are saying this is true. I was in Bemidji and I saw it. Yeah, I saw them. 
You, you know, Bangor, Maine has claims to the birthrights along with four other American cities who uh, hold uh, lo- birthrights. What kind of story is it? It is a legend. This one's probably my all-time favorite. Here we go. Kind of story? Yeah, you know, I, I, this is a hard one because it actually comes up as a fable. I'm, I'm sorry, as a folk tale, but I didn't give you that option, so that's kind of unfair, right? But yeah, it's like a fairy tale. Oh yeah, I almost forgot. I have one more. Now, when I show you the picture, tell me what it's a picture of and what is it, a legend, a fable, or a fairy tale? You ready? Resurrection of Jesus Christ or the gospel. What kind of story is it? True. It's true. And yet, when you think about the story, the gospel of Jesus Christ, the resurrection, it could be and is, by the way, taken by many as a legend or a fairy tale or a fable. You know, a legend, a story that comes down from the past that's regarded historical but is not verifiable. You can't prove it scientifically because you can't recreate it in the, in the laboratory setting. A fairy tale, a story that's fit with, uh, for students, children, and adults involving fantastic forces, angels, demons, and the devil himself. A, a story that has that improbable happily ever after ending, right? He goes to the cross, he dies a horrible death, then he's resurrected to life. A fable, a story with supernatural happenings, a narrative which affirms useful truth. Now, Christ Presbyterian Church, along with millions of people across the globe and throughout time, believe this story is true as true can be. And it's not merely merely based on emotion or hearsay, But after examining the facts, people have come to this conclusion that the gospel story is true as it can be, and they embrace Jesus as Lord and Savior. However, there are many others who would just as easy dismiss the whole thing as a fairy tale, a fable, or a legend. If you'd like to follow along in your pew Bible, turn to Matthew 28. You pull out your phone too if you want to pull up your Bible app. It's one of those times you get permission to look at your phone. And don't check your emails. In Matthew's account, the story opens three days after the execution of Jesus. It is Sunday morning. Three women are on their way to the tomb when the angel's appearance startles them. It's accompanied with a violent earthquake. The angel rolls the stone away. The angel's bright and shining appearance strikes fear in their hearts. And so the angel tells them, do not be afraid. For I know you are looking for Jesus who was crucified. He has risen. He is not here, just as he said. Come and see the place where he lay. Then go quickly and tell his disciples he has risen from the dead and is going ahead of you into Galilee. There you will see him. Now I have told you. So off they go. Some guards scurry off to inform the religious elite just what went down. Fearing that this could cause multitudes to join in this new movement, the chief priests concoct a story, a fable, a fairy tale, a, a made-up story, and they pay off the guards to deny what they saw and instead claim that they fell asleep and someone moved the body and hid it. 
because they feared that the resurrection would ruin everything. It would siphon people away from their power and their influence. In Matthew verse 15 of chapter 28, Matthew, who did not write this biographical sketch down, this account of Jesus until 30 years later, says this about the story that the religious elite came to. And this story has been widely circulated among the Jews to this very day. So there was a fable or a myth or a fairy tale going on alongside the resurrection. Verse 16 says this, then the 11 disciples, remember Judas is gone, he's dead. Then the 11 disciples went to Galilee to the mountain where Jesus had told them to go. And then verse 27, when they saw him, they worshiped him but some doubted. A curious response, isn't it? They worshiped him, which makes sense. They just saw the resurrected Christ, but some doubted. You know, when you first read this passage, one would think that this is the first time that they that Jesus appeared to them, but actually from the Gospel of Luke and John, we find that they'd already, Jesus had already appeared to the disciples several times over a period of seven to ten days before. So this is yet another occurrence of his appearance, and yet there's still, some of them are still doubting. The 11 disciples, seeing Jesus alive and well again, it's most natural that they would worship him. For the resurrection affirmed that what he said and what he would do is in all that he claimed that he would be, the divine son of God, the Messiah, God in the flesh. But this whole thing is a big thing to grasp and put your your mind around. It has elements of fable, fairy tale, legend-like. It could be seen as magic. There's this happily ever ending, happily ever after ending, kind of a walk off into the sunset moment. And I would propose to you that this paints a picture that speaks of the veracity of the gospel itself. It's real, it's raw, it's not candy-coated, it's not cleaned up, polished, and delivered without flaws, for these 11 were just as human as you and me, and they doubted, even though they had seen him more than once. We, like them, from afar, examine the facts, we consider the whole story, we become convinced, and yet we may have some doubts still And then we take that step of faith. For some, that step of faith is but a small one. For others, it's a large one. But we all take it. For without faith, faith, says the Bible, it is impossible to please God. And the truth be known, even after we're all in for Jesus and all out for Jesus, we are still, from time to time, going to have nagging doubts. It's okay to doubt. It's okay to worship him with all that you have and yet still wonder and ponder. And when we begin to doubt that it's not, that it's okay to doubt, when we begin to doubt that it's okay to doubt, or however I mean that, we can deny reality itself and give, that gives reason for doubt. And we can cause those who are not yet Christians 
to dismiss us as simplistic, unthinking, and want nothing to do with this resurrected Jesus story. Last Saturday, while Lynette and I were in Indiana preparing to attend my high school reunion, a young man fired shots in in an El Paso Walmart, wounding many, killing 22 people. Less than 24 hours later, downtown Dayton Dayton was closing, this bar was closing, and a 24-year-old wreaked havoc on departing customers and struck down many and killed nine. 31 people living a normal life like you and I struck dead, snuffed out, horrific, sin as its worst, evil unleashed, absolutely heartbreaking to the families and friends who lost people they love. An earthquake-like shakeup for the communities in which these things occurred. And it's times like these that those who are not yet believers ask the questions like, if there is a God and God is good, then what's up with this? Why didn't he do something? Is it because God is really not good? Or is he good and just impotent and not able? And the truth be known, it's times like these that even those who have given their life to follow after Jesus Christ can ask questions somewhat like that. We can also have our own doubts about what is going on in the world. There's no easy answer. There's no easy fix. We can't know reasons in this lifetime. But it is when these things happen and doubts about God creep in that we should go to him on our knees in prayer and we should go to his book for solace and guidance and we should lean into his faith community for encouragement. See, while it's okay to have doubts, God doesn't really want us to stay there. He wants us to learn from him, lean into him, and lean on one another, and then replace some of those doubts with faith and belief on who he is and how he loves. You know, I don't know, I don't know a lot, quite honestly, but this is what I speculate, this is where I, what I think. When, when, I believe that when we are with the Lord in heaven forever and ever and ever, you know, all those questions that you have, all those doubts that you want to be answered, and all those things that I want to know, I believe he's going to tell us because he's got eternity and patience like, you know, like God to tell us and inform us or it won't matter anymore because we'll be with him face to face and sin and sickness will be gone. But I believe it'll probably be some of both. Until then, as believers... As those that have embraced the gospel and are all in for Jesus, we are to show love and mercy and pray for those that are suffering and reach out to those in our sphere of influence who are going through those kind of times where they're asking those questions. If there is a God, is he good? And if he's good, then why doesn't he do something? You don't have to have all the answers, but you can pray and love on them. And then we're to share the gospel with whomever is willing to listen See, Christ Presbyterian exists for many reasons, but at our very core, our vision is to boldly extend the invitation that Jesus makes to us, to everyone. That's what we're supposed to be about. 
We don't have all the answers. We're not free of all doubts. But this one thing I know, I believe that the story of Jesus Christ is true. And this is how it's affected my life. And I'd like you to walk alongside me into that. Won't you join me? You know, I was thinking about times that I've had doubts. I remember a time when I was first out of seminary. I was in my first pastorate. And I was doing counseling with this couple, Lance and Melody. They wanted to have their baby baptized. And uh, like I do, none since the very beginning, whenever I have a captive audience, that is, whenever I've got someone that wants to have a child baptized or they're going to have premarital counseling or we're doing membership classes, I always go through a simple explanation of what the gospel is about. What are the essentials of it? Because I have found, just like myself, many people grow up in the church and they just don't quite get it. They haven't put it all together. And I want to make sure that they have opportunity to put it all together. So I was doing that with this couple Melody was a strong Christian, and I knew that. Lance was not there yet, and he admitted that. In fact, during that kind of conversation, it wasn't long, but a conversation, I kind of drew a line on a piece of paper, and I said, so Lance, if over here is, you don't believe in God at all, in fact, you're running away from him because you don't think he exists, and over here on this end of the spectrum is, you believe fully. You're not perfect, but you believe you put your trust and your faith in Jesus Christ as your leader and your forgiver. Where do you find yourself, Lance, on that continuum? And he kind of went center towards the belief a little bit. And then I said, okay, Lance, I got a question for you. Is there any reason that you would not like to make Jesus your Lord and Savior right now? And he said, no. And in my head, I'm going, wait a minute, what did he just say? Did he say, no, I don't want to become a Christian because that's what I thought he was going to say? Or did he say, no, there's no reason why I... And then I realized what he had said, and I said, okay, well, then let's pray. And we did. And he accepted Christ as Lord and Savior right then and there. And I don't know why I was surprised, but then later I thought I know why I was surprised. Because I had my doubts of the power of the gospel to convert the human heart Paul puts it this way, I'm not ashamed of the gospel because it is the power of God that brings salvation to everyone who believes. When we share what we know about Jesus with others, it's God's job, God's job to convert their hearts, not ours. So it doesn't depend solely on us, but it does depend on us to share what we know. I want to share with you a story that is in Scott Saul's book, it's, if you want to go back later, it's on page 114, if you have the book yourself. But it's, a, it's a, an account, a, a true life a story that happened that he shares with us. It's a story about Anne and Jane. Jane is working in the nursery, and Anne comes into the nursery with her two boys. She puts them in the nursery, first time visitor, she's never been there before. She goes into worship, she comes back, and Anne has to tell her, I'm so sorry to tell you this, Jane, but... Your boys, they caused quite a bit few problems. They, they actually picked a lot of fights. And I just thought you'd want to know that, being their mother. Well, what Jane wasn't aware of was that Anne's life was a mess. And it's no wonder her boys were acting the way they were because Anne was a heroin addict. And she was on the brink of destruction. And so what happened after Anne went off 
And she started cursing and yelling at everybody in the nursery and, you know, for picking on her boy. She didn't understand why you couldn't just love me the way, you know, she, all of her stuff came out. And then Jane says, then I saw this thing happen that just broke my heart because then I saw Jane collect her two little boys and walk the walk of shame as she left. Because she's so embarrassed for what she had done. So Anne thought about it and or Jane thought about it and she prayed and she wrote this letter. Dear Anne, it's me, Jane, the nursery church, the nursery at church on Sunday. I'm writing first to let you know that all is well at church, no harm done, and the broken toys, no problem. We needed to replace so many of them anyway. But what I really want to do, Anne, is thank you. Thank you for the way you wore your heart on your sleeve on Sunday. That meant a lot to me because I am often tempted to hide the messy things that agitate my heart. Thank you for being willing to be honest. Your courage to be honest got me thinking, what better place to be honest than church? You reminded me that Jesus invites us all to come to him raw and real and to do that together and never alone. I hope to see you again more than this. I hope we can become friends. Sincerely, Jane. Guess who was in church the next Sunday? Anne. And she came to faith and she said that I want these people to be my people and I want their God to be my God, it says in the book. And they became that as her faith grew and blossomed. Happily ever after ending, except. And lapsed back into heroin use. And not too long after that, died of an overdose. But the beauty of that story, that real life account was that a life was changed. She got the gospel and she accepted Christ and she can be, we can be assured based on what we were told that she is with him forever and ever and ever. And no, she didn't get it all right. She messed up again and it took her from this life. But the power of the gospel is just that powerful. Scott Sauls writes this, what if, failure of, what if the failure of Christians actually turns out to be the best argument for Christianity? What if the failure of Christians in the end is the thing that makes the Christian movement irresistible to billions of souls all over the world? The resurrection story represents the inauguration of a new world order in which a new community forms based not on how well God's people follow his ways, but on how fully God forgives them of their failures and inability to do so. Henrietta Mears, can you just put that slide up there, Henrietta Mears? Don't you love that hat? I just think that's great. You know, she was um, on staff at a Baptist, First Baptist here in the Minneapolis-St. Paul area. And back in, I think it was 19, 19, who's messing with my notes? 1949, there we go. She invited Billy Graham to come and... and, um, 
be with them to, 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 at a conference and speak. And Billy had a friend that was also going to speak, and the friend basically, his, his faith and his, his theology had changed, and he was really kind of in flux on what he believed about the Scriptures. And he told Billy over and over again, you know, Billy, no one listens to you anymore. You, you know, your faith is, is 50, 50 years behind the times. You're just too simplistic. So Billy had this real crisis of faith, and he went off into the woods There we go. He went off into the woods and um, began praying. He says this, I had no doubt concerning the deity of Jesus Christ or the validity of the gospel, but was the Bible completely true? With the Los Angeles campaign galloping towards me, oh God, I had to have an answer. I, if I could trust, not trust the Bible, I could not go on. I would have to quit the school presidency and leave the pulpit of evangelism. And then he goes into his prayer as he, he goes off into the woods first and he opens his Bible and he puts it on a tree stump and he says this to the Lord, oh God, there are many things in this book I do not understand. There are some areas in it that do not seem to correlate with modern science. Father, I'm going to accept this as thy word by faith. I'm going to allow faith to go beyond my intellectual questions and doubts and I will believe this to be your inspired word. And then he says it, tears in his eyes. I sensed the presence and power of God. I had not sensed in months, not all my questions were answered, but I knew a spiritual battle in my soul had been fought and won. He spoke that next day at the conference and 400 people came to Christ. He went on to preach in in LA at the, the conference that was planned and it was supposed to be three weeks and it went on for eight as more and more people kept crowding into the tents and God used Billy Graham in ways that he had never had before as his ministry just launched with the authority of God's word. Greg Boyd, senior pastor of Woodland Hills Church in St. Paul, shares this in his book. Rather than believing in Jesus because I believe in the Bible is in, because I believe the Bible is the inspired word of God, I came to believe the Bible to be the inspired word of God because I first believe in Jesus. So If you have doubts, it's okay. This is a great place for those doubts to be considered. Know that God wants to replace your doubts with faith. It's going to take some work on your part as you lean into each other. But there's some questions you're never going to get answered in this life, and that's okay. It's interesting to me that it's right after this one verse, they saw him, they worshiped him, but some doubted that Jesus goes into the Great Commission. All authority, he says, in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And don't miss this last line because I think this is crucial because it speaks to that place where we're doubting. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. What a promise. What a truth. Let's pray. Lord, we will have many questions in this life about faith and about who you are and about how we are to relate in you. And even when we read the scriptures, we'll sometimes still be pondering. But help us, Lord, to know that your word is true. Always has been, always will be. Help us to lean into it. Learn from it. 
and not run the other way. For any, Lord, in this room that have not yet made that step of faith, might you help them to get some answers that they need in order to get to that place where they too can know you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.